the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. The following program was pre-recorded, and the views expressed do not necessarily represent those of this station or its management. We don't need no education. We don't need no control. Welcome to Education Nation, where we tackle the biggest issues in American education. School is now in session. Here are your hosts, Headmaster Rebecca Hagstrom and co-host Mark Durkin. Well, good evening and thank you for joining us here on Education Nation. I am your headmaster and host, Rebecca Hagstrom. And it's a privilege to join you every Saturday evening here on AM 1280, The Patriot. And of course, I am joined in studio once again by the producer of Education Nation and my wonderful co-host, Mark Durkin. Hello again, Rebecca. How are you? I am very good. How are you on I'm this wonderful great. Saturday? I'm just trying to get in as much vitamin D. There we go. All summer, there we go. We got to soak it up here in Minnesota before That's right. we go into the winter. Yes, we do. For sure. Well, Mark, when Title VII of the 1964 Civil Rights Act was initially written, the law was clearly intended to ban discrimination on a person's sex. The drafting of the law clearly intended sex in terms of its biological definition. That's right, Rebecca. For decades, there has been a growing number of people wanting to see the law changed from simple biology to gender identity and sexual orientation. And redefining sex on the basis of feelings and personal behaviors, it poses threats to religious liberties and freedom of speech, not to mention the dangers such a redefinition poses to the progress that's been made over decades concerning women's rights. While these efforts to redefine sex failed for decades in the U.S. Congress, efforts to change the law began to come before the U.S. court system. In just this past June, the Supreme Court issued a series of landmark decisions, first redefining sex under Title VII within federal law, and then ruling in a separate case that federal discrimination laws cannot be applied to leaders of religious organizations. So what does all of this mean for the freedom of speech and the free exercise of religion in light of the redefinition of the term sex? You can imagine the tension that now exists. Mm -hmm. And how could these rulings affect the provisions laid out in Title IX when it comes to female participation in sports? Mm, Which has always been one of my big questions, Title IX, um, from the very start of all of this a few years ago. Well, joining us in studio tonight to address the Supreme Court's decision to redefine sex and what the coming challenges could be, for freedom of speech and the freedom exercise of religion clause under the First Amendment, as well as women's rights, is Renee Carlson. Renee has a wide variety of legal experience, ranging from criminal prosecution to her own private practice, with a focus on ministries and nonprofit religious organizations. With a passion for advocacy relating to family, life, and religious freedom, she currently serves as general counsel for True North Legal a new legal initiative in partnership with the Minnesota Family Council. She is also a Blackstone Legal Fellow and an allied attorney with Alliance Defending Freedom, where she has served as legal counsel on recent federal cases. Renee received her B.A. from UCLA 
and Law Degree from the University of St. Thomas School of Law. Renee, thank you so much for joining us here again on Education Nation. So good to be with both of you. Hello, hello, hello. And it's so wonderful to have her in studio, not calling (laughs) in from a phone like sometimes has to happen. So Renee has been a frequent guest on our show. We've had her to talk about this topic a few times in the past. So um, back in June, Renee, the U.S. Supreme Court issued a landmark opinion concerning the word sex in Title VII of the 1964 Civil Rights Act. Can you please share with our listeners how the court voted and what was the consensus of the majority ruling in this case? Mm-hmm. Yeah, this is um, known as the Bostock decision, and actually it was a combination of three different decisions that uh, came before the court. So two of these decisions were brought by homosexuals who were um, suing with respect to some employment discrimination claims. Mm-hmm. One of the other cases, which you may have known, is Harris Funeral Homes. Mm-hmm. That was brought by a transgender individual. Mm-hmm. So, you know, even there with this word sex, we have, you know, two different things. We have homosexuality okay. and another individual who's transgender. But the, right. the court felt that, you know, the answer to these questions could all be, you know, taken with one full swoop. So essentially, but all of these cases um, involved a challenge to the employees, um, I mean the employers, brought by Mm -hmm. the employees under Title VII. Mm -hmm. So, you know, what does that mean? The court basically had to decide two things. They had to decide whether the word sex in Title VII's prohibition on discrimination, quote, because of sex, also meant gender identity or extended to gender identity and transgender protections Mm -hmm. under the law. They also had to determine whether certain case um, case law with respect to employees prohibited applying sex specific policies according to their employees sex rather than gender identity. Mm-hmm. So that's kind of a lot. Mm-hmm. But that's how you know, that's mm-hmm. that's the basis of these cases. So what happened? Well, they made their way up to the Supreme Court and the court in a six to three ruling with, you know, Chief Justice Roberts right, joining in. Just shocking to me. There's a lot of different theories on on how that played out and, and why that happened. But. That may be for another day. Mm-hmm, <laughs> but, you know, mm-hmm. joining the liberal justices along with Justice Gorsuch yeah, um, held that those. these employees had been unlawfully discriminated against under Title VII. And that, in fact, the actions on behalf of those employers did constitute sex discrimination. And it's it's specifically helpful because you think, how how can yes, that be? Right. But Gorsuch said, um, this is a, a quote from the opinion. He said, an employer who fires an individual for being homosexual or transgender fires that person for traits or actions it would not have questioned in members of a different sex. Sex plays a necessary and undisguisable role in the decision exactly what Title VII forbids. So he's saying, you know, discrimination is based on gender identity or transgenderism, and that necessarily involves discrimination on the basis of sex, but that basis is sex assigned at birth, right. male and female. Right, right, right. So it's, it's shocking that that decision. I mean, that d- doesn't even make a lot of sense. It's it, it it is. I mean, it, it's really confusing, um, and it's it's disappointing actually because you know the majority takes the definition of sex and basically expands it under Title VII and says, okay, now this applies to comes um, down to six people. Right. Right. Pretty much. Right. Right. In the face of, you know, a legislature that is really supposed to be handling things like that. Mm -hmm. These are big questions Mm -hmm. for our general public. Right. And that's why we have elected officials to debate these things. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And they just basically took that debate away and just in one fell swoop. Mm -hmm. Um, And I know we're going to be talking about ramifications and things like that. So I don't want to get too far off track here. Mm -hmm. (laughs) But it is it is. 
a huge ramification mm-hmm. um, down the road. And it is interesting to me that two of the conservative justices mm-hmm. would have joined the liberal justices to come to that conclusion. Mm-hmm. Three Supreme Court justices dissented. In, in conversation right. we've had off the air, you mentioned that uh, you had resonated with Justice Alito's written opinion. Share with our, our listeners the key issues that Mr. Alito highlighted in his dissension. Well, sure. And that kind of goes to what you know Rebecca was saying. Mm-hmm. I mean, one of the quotes that you've probably seen what Alito wrote in his dissent is, yes. There's only one word for what the court has done today, legislation. Yes. Right. And then yes. he said, a more brazen abuse of our authority to interpret statutes is hard to recall. Yeah. Um, and then he you know, cites a myriad of attempts by Congress to change the meaning of the word sex in right. Title mm-hmm. VII. And then he further explains, the questions in these cases is not whether discrimination because of sexual orientation or gender identity should be outlawed. The question is whether Congress did that in 1964. And he says it indisputably did not. Right. So, you know, there's where there's confusion about the meaning of a statute, as you're, you know, you're saying, mm-hmm. we look to the legislative history mm-hmm. and we look at the law to be interpreted the way they were written when they were passed. Mm-hmm. So let's think about the law in 1964. Mm-hmm. What did the word sex mean in 1964 right. and right. how was it understood? And the concept, you know, of gender identity really wasn't that prevalent then. Mm-hmm. So, you know, on, on top of the fact that on multiple occasions since 1964, we've seen Congress try to pass legislation to actually define sex, to yes. include gender identity mm-hmm. and sexual orientation. Mm-hmm. They've tried to do, you know, pass various laws that would give those kinds of protections and they haven't passed. Mm-hmm. So, you know, it's it's inconsistent with this idea that we have with with respect to interpreting laws and basing it on legislative history. Right. Um, and I just find it particularly interesting. I, I mean, I know that you'd just be speculating at this point. And I know you said there's a lot of speculation out there. But why, when Roberts and Gorsuch kind of claim to be natural law, you know, they, they're not in favor of a living, breathing constitution that changes with time, you'd think they would apply that to mm-hmm. this amendment. Mm-hmm. What would make them cross over? Yeah, I, you know, I don't have a have a great answer for that at, at this point. I mean, I'm, there's there's all kinds of speculations, you know, with okay. respect to that, those mm-hmm. questions. And I mean, I think Gorsuch particularly thinks that he is being a textualist in this regard. Hmm. Um, really? So, yeah, that, you know, there's there's things like that that have, I've read and mm-hmm. um, really I don't. I don't know. But, you know, time will tell. Right. As we see other cases that build on this, as we Mm -hmm. see other cases that come forward, there's going to be a lot of lawsuits based on this. I was Mm -hmm. just going to say that. And so maybe we'll have more of those answers. Right. Um, But now I really. And that's a scary thing, because now you're almost going to see in this issue, you're going to see a complete bypass of the legislative bodies across the country and federally. And then you have to start to wonder how our businesses are going to respond. Do they really think that each person who feels slighted is going to then take it through the courts. And that's Mm -hmm. kind of a long process Mm -hmm. that doesn't happen overnight. And, you know, there's no law per se that has been passed by the legislative bodies to enforce that. So that that, that's going to make for a very messy situation Mm -hmm. moving forward. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. It's for sure. Well, it seems that the majority on the U.S. Supreme Court is kicking the can down the road of uncertainty, as we were just discussing Um, You've written that their contention is that bathrooms, locker rooms, or anything else of the kind are for another day, which I think is absurd because you you can't save, you really can't divide that question. With that being the case, can you highlight the consequences of casting aside biological realities? 
where do I begin? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I, you know, Mark and I were talking about this, you know, offline a bit. And um, I mean, the consequences that we said, they're they're vast and they're sweeping and they're not just legal implications. And, you know, that's why I've been really excited to be here today, because I hope that it's a chance to help inform people and let mm-hmm. listeners know that, you know, if you if you weren't paying attention in June, just just. Now pay attention because right. SCOTUS just embraced an opinion that is, you know, completely averse to science and biology. Yes. And this is really, you know, a forced ideology mm-hmm. upon the public. And if we really think about it, I mean, this was a law that was intended to provide equal treatment for women under the law. And now we have this court opinion that completely undermines that. Mm-hmm. Um, but, you know, for purposes of this show, I, I certainly... Um, can talk about a few consequences that come to mind. And first and foremost would be just, you know, other similarly situated businesses like the Mm -hmm. funeral homes and like Tom and his family who operate a business according to their convictions. Um, I mean, and and also according to science, biology and common sense. And what does that mean for other businesses who are similarly Mm -hmm. situated? Mm -hmm. Um, Another question that you said, Rebecca, hanging in the balance is the question of women's sports Mm -hmm. and Gorsuch all but, you know, all, he said that in his opinion, these things are for another day. So that is a question mm-hmm. that hangs out there. And and Title Seven is significant when it comes to interpreting Title Nine, as we yes. discussed in you know previous shows. Mm-hmm. So we'll have to see how that all plays out. Um, there is a lawsuit right now um, coming out of Connecticut with respect to women's sports that's significant. That's mm-hmm. going to be really important. Mm-hmm. So you know we just have to certainly pay attention to that and see. Mm-hmm. See what happens mm-hmm. there. But, you know, again, we've already seen consequences prior to Harris and well, Bostock mm-hmm. um, with respect to Title IX and women's sports. Oh, yeah. We've had, you know, locally we have the Minnesota yes. State High School League who said that students can play on sports teams consistent with their gender identity, mm-hmm. which is entirely inconsistent with our Minnesota statutes and the spirit of our Minnesota mm-hmm. statutes. Mm-hmm. So, I, you know, I'm not sure, you know, where this is, excuse me, ultimately going to go, but... Um, there could be some significant consequences. Mm-hmm. What about, you know, women-only homeless shelters? Mm-hmm. Um, so I think that what people need to do is really we need to hold Gorsuch accountable by speaking a narrative that's consistent with what he said. He said, this is Title Seven. Other issues are for another day. Those who um, are strong in the LGBTQ lobbying and those movements, they're going to use Harris Funeral Homes and you oh, know, yeah. this, the Bostock case Absolutely. to say, no, 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 no. Look what we look what they said in Bostock. And we mm-hmm. have to say, nope, actually, Gorsuch said, you know, those are for another day. Mm-hmm. And we have to hold strong with that and mm-hmm. keep that narrative. Mm-hmm. Well, I just and it, it kind of mirrors what was happening right here in Minnesota a number of years ago when the Minnesota State High, High School League was looking at um, making that change. And the pressure, of course, that was on them from those organizations Um and it was interesting because back then they were saying, oh, no, no, we're not even talking about bathrooms. We're not talking about locker rooms. We were not asking. In fact, they were actually criticizing those organizations that supported um, the transgender community and wanting them to be able to play on their sport of their or the gender of their identified um, gender. They were saying, no, 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 we're not trying to get into bathrooms. We're not trying to do locker rooms. That's an overstatement and and really kind of criticized those organizations that were saying that. And yet, literally the day after the Minnesota State High School League made their decision, there was an article in the St. Paul Pioneer Press that stated, or maybe it was the Star Tribune, where they interviewed one of these individuals and they right away said, well, now we need to, now we need to be able to have equal rights to the bathrooms and the locker rooms. 
And mm-hmm. it's like, did anybody think that that wasn't just you right on the heels? Yep. I mean, it, you would be foolish to think that that's not all part of it. And it's it's been stated by medical professionals who are supportive of um, gender transition that it's inconsistent with their gender treatment not to allow um, someone to access a bathroom consistent right. with their gender identity. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. they say, mm-hmm. this is, you know, my medical professional is actually advising me yeah. to use a facility consistent with my gender identity because then it, it mm-hmm. thwarts my treatment. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So. Now they're going to, they will push, I'm sure, very much mm-hmm. so. Other key issues that will be under the microscope following this uh, Bostock decision include free speech and the free exercise of religion under the First Amendment. Explain for us how these God-given rights under the First Amendment are being viewed post-Bostock, and what are some of the big challenges that you're facing moving forward? I think, Rian, we're certainly feeling kind of an increased hostility towards people of faith. And it Mm -hmm. seems that, you know, most people who hold a position consistent with biological realities are often motivated by their faith, and they're being being attacked for it. Mm -hmm. And that's it's it's horrible um but in cases interestingly where we see you know faith and free speech kind of intersect we actually see the courts more willing to step up and say that is that behavior is not acceptable that's a mm-hmm. violation of constitutional rights um an example of that would be masterpiece cake shop mm-hmm. where you see you know we had jack phillips and there was increased hostility um starting in the human rights committee from the government and mm-hmm. the court said that um that the government cannot act with blatant hostility mm-hmm. toward people of faith, nor can the government force individuals to express a message inconsistent with their beliefs. Mm-hmm. And so there it was a kind of a, a free speech question, even though it involved his faith, it was the government forcing him to say something that he didn't believe in. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, thankfully, you know, the speech cases still give us a lot of traction in court, but I think the, the religious freedom cases sometimes can be questionable mm-hmm. and, I mean, Mark, you know, as we talked about a little bit, again, offline, religious freedom is the foundation of our country, Absolutely. and it shouldn't be a subpar right, you know, even within the First Amendment. And so anybody who's listening, you know, whether they agree with what we're saying today or not, should be concerned because tolerance mm-hmm. and diversity, as we've said, it's a two-way street. And when we start suppressing ideas and start mm-hmm. forcing government messages, that's dangerous to everybody. Mm-hmm. 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 I was just going to say, you know, religious Freedom is the foundation of this government, unless you are an advocate of the 1619 Project, Mm -hmm. (laughs) where you would say racism is the foundation and slavery is the foundation of our country's founding. And I hope people start looking into the 1619 Project, too, because that is having a widespread influence now. Well, let's take a step back and reflect on how we've arrived at this point, Renee. You've written that the battle is not against a single Supreme Court decision. Can you please share with our listeners how several past key decisions have brought us to this point? Sure. You know, I think um, actually it's it's probably greater than any single court decision. I mean, certainly, you know, chronologically we could look backwards and and note Obergefell. I mean, that was mm-hmm. very significant, you know, ushering in same-sex marriage. Mm-hmm. Um, and then we look at the sweeping passage of sexual orientation and gender identity laws and ordinances across the country, and specifically in our state, Minnesota has been really mm-hmm. aggressive yeah. in an attempt to abolish biological realities, and that's been something that the governor has been very outspoken about and that he, you know, he's all in favor of that. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, things that come to mind are uh, conversion therapy, mm-hmm. um, conversion therapy bans where the government is mm-hmm. attempting to regulate the doctor-patient relationship, making it unlawful 
for a psychologist to help individuals struggling with same-sex attraction. So the Mm -hmm. government's trying to, again, interfere in private speech because it's inconsistent with government ideology, um, Mm -hmm. which government ideology is inconsistent with science and common sense. Mm -hmm. (laughs) You know, Mm -hmm. and then we have telehealth for gender clinics. You know, that's a significant and growing concern, especially Mm -hmm. with COVID, where people are having medical treatment online across Mm -hmm. a computer screen, considering changing their gender and transitioning you know, mm-hmm. that can involve sterilization for children as young as 13. I know. It's there's, just shocking to Yes, me. there's a gender clinic at the U of M. So mm-hmm. it's it's terrifying. That certainly flies in the face of parental rights. Um, mm-hmm. Again, like I said, the, the SOGI law and those broad applications, aren't, aren't they don't seem to be going anywhere. And as you know, we just discussed the Minnesota State High School League allowing children to participate um, on teams consistent with their gender identity. Mm-hmm. That goes in step with the MDE's toolkit from 2017. Yeah, which we had you on. If, yes. if our listeners want to listen to that podcast, that was, what, two years ago? Back in we did that? Wow. And then I think we had you yeah. back again to talk about it a few months later. Um, so, yes, you yes. came and spoke about the toolkit. So our listeners can go back and check that Here out. At nationmn.org, our podcast, if you just yes. flip through the Rolodex of episodes, you will see them yes. accurately titled. And yes. yes, I believe they are back from 2017. Okay. Right. <laughs> but you you also know, I mean, you we've talked about, you know, comprehensive sex education. And, you know, then we also have, you know, government officials. Our own attorney general mm-hmm. um, is not in favor mm-hmm. of free speech. And he's trying to attack individuals who simply want to live in accordance with their faith. Right. And that's any person of faith. It's not mm-hmm. just a specific faith. Um, and again, even those who are non-religious, who are anti-religion, should be concerned about this attack on free speech and mm-hmm. a violation of First Amendment rights. Because mm-hmm. um, the diversity is significantly important so that all of us can live in a free society. Right. I, I think often that does get forgotten, that tolerance goes both directions. Right. And um, it's very easy in a, in a time of group mob, mob group think, which is what we're really seeing right now on a lot of different levels and, and topics, Um it's easy for that mob to think, well, no, as long as we, if we can just get rid of these people in the way they think. But pretty soon there's going to be a disagreement within their own community. And then, you know, it just continues to divide well, and divide see, and divide and divide. You and divide. see that. I mean, you see that yes. even with some of the LGBTQ lobbyists where you right. see transgender pitted against gay individuals and then yeah. you see feminists and, you know, they're all all having different goals. And so they are in some ways mm-hmm. kind of imploding within their own community. Mm-hmm. One thing I was going to say too, back to the question is that, um, I mean, beyond legal, um, legal cases that have influenced the landscape here, we also just see a philosophical and moral um, perception that's changed. And really it's a focus on self. Mm-hmm. When we start putting ourselves as first and foremost, when we look at autonomy as the chief driving force for decision-making, right. suddenly everything is very different. Right. And that's dangerous. And people mm-hmm. need to recognize that a lot of these laws and a lot of these decisions and a lot of these lobbying efforts are driven by autonomy. They're not mm-hmm. looking at, you know, what's going to happen to the next generation? What's going to happen to my neighbor? You know, what's going to mm-hmm. happen to my kids? Um, and and the more inward we are, I think the more chaos will ensue. Mm-hmm. It's interesting because... That's an example of them wanting to be very autonomous. But then when it comes to things like COVID or racism or, or, you know, slavery being the foundation, they want that to be collective. Mm -hmm. You know, they don't want individual thought on any of those items because they really want this collective mindset to permeate. So it's interesting. It's whatever's convenient for their narrative at the time. 
And that's just a general mm-hmm. principle. I think that mm-hmm. you're, you know, passionate about, particularly with your school, especially teaching people how to think. And yes. it doesn't mean that you have to agree or that people can't agree to disagree. Right. But it's owning the thoughts for yourself and being strong enough to defend your positions. And you know. I mean, as a person of faith, I believe in the Holy Spirit, and I may be led to think and believe in something different. And as long as it's not inconsistent with you know, the non-negotiables and doctrines right. of the faith, right. then you know I live accordingly. Yeah. And so I think that yeah. the diversity is healthy. But if mm-hmm. we can't have the diversity, right? Um, that's a problem. Mm-hmm. Absolutely, mm-hmm. completely agree with you. So we've we've talked a little bit about the. Um, the truth about men and the truth about women uh, being exchanged for a lie. I mean, how are you helping in the fight against a culture that has bought into this narrative? Mm-hmm. Sure. Well, I mean, as Rebecca said when the introduction, I'm very excited to be working alongside the Minnesota Family Council yeah. um, with True North Legal. It's a new legal initiative in partnership with the Family Council. And, you know, as an organization who is faith-based, we are certainly positioned to advocate on behalf of people of faith. And we take this decision and the implications really seriously. Um, the decision certainly challenges the most fundamental parts of our identity, and that's you know our created order and who we are as male and female, because we believe that's really special and right. that's really important. Yeah. So I'll mm-hmm. say you know we're not running away from this, yes. and um, we believe that there's work to be done. One of the most significant things, this is why I came on the show, is to educate mm-hmm. the public, yes. to let people know what's happening. I'm amazed at how many people I'll talk about, and I'll say, you know, Bostock or Harris Funeral Homes, or you know that case where mm-hmm. you know mm-hmm. people are saying they redefine sex and nobody knows what I'm talking yeah, no. about. Isn't and that amazing? It, it is. Or or with even legisl you know, we're we're very involved in legislative advocacy mm-hmm. um, from a legal perspective. And we're really hoping to grow a team of competent attorneys who can mm-hmm. attack these things head on in the courts. Yeah. So it's it's an exciting time. It's a hard time, but it's an exciting time. But we know that you know, God will move us as He sees fit, and we're just praying and hopeful that we can grow to be um a significant voice for people of faith in Minnesota. Yeah. And Renee, we're very thankful that you are in that position and we're very thankful that you are with, with your team. I mean, this is an important, important topic. And like you say, so few people really understand what's happening. You know, I think people live busy lives and they have, you know, children to contend with. And especially right now with COVID people are so distracted that I think when those Supreme Court cases, those decisions came down in June, kind of one after another, um, people just aren't necessarily well, paying attention. And and that's a strategy yes, as far is. as the other side. Sure so is, yeah. I, I think today um, I was informed that there are seven different conversion therapy bans coming down the pipe. <gasps> No one's really? paying attention. It's the summer. I didn't even know about it. Yeah, in different cities. So it's the in, summer. In Minnesota? In Minnesota. So it's the summer. It's oh city ordinances. Goodness. People aren't paying attention. There's questionable actions, um, you know, with respect to some of these regarding open meeting law, people's ability to participate. But, you know, overall, um, it's, you know, things are happening basically before our eyes, but if we're not paying attention, then... Mm-hmm. So important to know the rule of law, oh, to know the Constitution. Yes, and, and to, be, to, to, to be engaged. To be informed. To be informed. Yes, yeah. we need people to be... I mean, that's the whole basis of the founding of this country, is to have a well-educated citizenry. Mm-hmm. And if we're not staying informed on the issues that really affect us, then we're not doing our job as a citizen. And, and I we think can we be need kind, to... and we can be loving. And I think that these issues are intimidating because they're very contentious. Yeah, but they don't have to be. Yeah, you know, we can we can slowly try to help people understand common sense, science, 
biological realities. And you know, you'd be surprised. People will listen. Yes. Yes, absolutely. We'll keep up the tone. Keep up the good work. And we are excited to have you with us again next week where we will continue this conversation. Sounds good. And thank you, Mark. Always a pleasure. Always enjoy being with you on the air. And thank you to our listeners. And we will see you again next Saturday on AM 1280 The Patriot. And if you want to listen to this podcast or any other podcast, go to ednationmn.org, ednationmn.org. Good night.